say why, why, why I left the band. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, but that was, well, basically only reason was that I moved to London, UK. So I got a job from there late 99. And I went there with my girlfriend and we actually stayed lived in London for a couple of years so there was uh, I, I don't think I would have left otherwise but going to London and playing at London just didn't work at the same time anymore so yeah. I, had to, I had to choose and there was no any basically other reason In 1999, G. Sealer, Lordy's bassist of almost three years, had left the band. Magnum, the man who had helped record the unreleased album Bend Over and Pray the Lord, would eventually come to take his place. But one other member also joined near and around the same time as him, turning this four-piece into a five-piece monster squad. Today, we talk about Lordy's struggle to get signed, new band members, and the band's first officially released album, Get Heavy. From True Metal Podcast, I'm Matthew Kessie, and this is Monsters of Rock, The Lordy Story. You're listening to episode three, Get Heavy. Magnum's role in the band before joining was to be Lordy's right-hand man, the person he would run ideas by and get his opinions on them. It's important to state here that Magnum was approached to be involved in the documentary, but declined the offer. My, my right hand at that time, it, it wasn't Eamon, it wasn't Enery, it wasn't G-Stealer, but it was Magnum, who, who was just my friend, but he was so enthusiastic about the whole Lordy thing, even though he wasn't in the band, he was my right hand at the time, like all the time, like, like we were, he was so excited about the whole thing. And he, you know, I, he's very important part of the whole Lordy thing in the beginning, because I mean, he, I, countless hours and we talked through the nights and we, 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 we were planning things and, you know, so I used him as a mirror. You know, I've always had people that I use as a mirror when I just like blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then I have uh, I have another person who's like, like either digging it or criticizing what I'm saying. And, you know, so much, yeah. very much like, like, like Janne Halmkrona or NR nowadays. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I always needed it. And, and funnily enough, that person pretty much, it has never been a person who has been, an, you know, my fellow bandmate. It has always been an outsider for me. It's, it, for some reason, it's always I, I need, a, need need somebody who's like not in the band. 
yeah. throughout this. It was below coin for some time, and you know. But anyway, when 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 G. Steeler left, so then Magnum was there. You know, he was he was and like I said, he was the very important. He was the most important person there. You know, he was my mirror at the yeah. time. He was my fucking right hand. He was my fucking my other mother, my other side of uh, half of my brain. It was him. You know. Yeah. And 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 uh, so when we needed a bass player, we, I mean, he was there. He was already there. So okay, okay, we'll we'll have him. Magnum also played a huge part in the recording of Lordy's unreleased album back in 1997. An album which featured no drummer, as Lordy was only a four-piece band at that stage. Me and Mr. Lordy, NRE and Magnum, four of us. And before that, yes, there was a T-Stealer and whatever. Yeah. But that was the NRE and Magnum, that was the first real lineup, and Mr. Amen and Lordy. So four members right and then we started to think that's it and because the you the best looking pictures is when you have four members and we were like but we need a drummer <laughs> and, but it was so crazy times and we were like no no we don't we can do we can do this without the drummer. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know, I'm a rock and roll guy. Uh, ACDC, how you play guitar if you don't have a drummer? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. And Mr. Laurie was so close to it, like let's say 80, 90% sure we can do this without the drummer. Okay. And I was like 20, 30% sure. And then, as Kiss fans, once again, Mr. Lordy called a future guitar. Like, uh, do you know any drummers around here in Helsinki? We might want to try out, but we really don't want to try out. But maybe we could, maybe. And then future guitar was like, yeah, try me. We went to his place and he played loud, really loud. I went to the hallway and was like, yeah. I don't like the guy, but he plays. Let's have him. <laughs> so that was obviously the start of the first yeah, official then, lineup, then, yeah. yeah. And okay. then me and Kita, we became best friends for years, like six, eight years. We had a really good time. Kita's backing vocals, drumming, and songwriting would go on to influence Lordy for years to come. His own journey into music, however, started in a much more quiet setting than the heavy metal scene that Lordy occupies. My parents still tell me this story because my grandparents, they had this like farm and they had cows. And uh, and some like farmer animals. Yeah. So every every summer when I go when I went there as a, like a summer holiday, and they were they were still uh, they were milking the the cows still like like with you know bare hands. Okay. Like before the machines in, in back you know back in the seventies. Yeah. So uh, I I went there, and uh, and uh, my grandfather like 
like he lifted me to this some uh, some table, so I, I could be a little bit higher, like as 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 on the stage, and I was I was singing all my children songs that I knew, like from back to like both, and uh, maybe like a couple of times, and 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 I remember that 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 was probably my like first gig. I was singing to cows, like <laughs> to animals. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my that's my first recollection, and then um. Uh, and then when I went to school, uh, I guess my music teacher kind of like find out that I had some kind of like talent. So I was I was like always singing in, in the school choir. And then uh, and then uh, when I was maybe like nine or ten years old, I went to this music school to study like like classical guitar. Yeah. Uh, but that didn't interest me that much because I wanted to play like electric guitar, just like you know. Paul Stanley from Kiss or yeah. whoever, and uh, but that that was kind of like the start, uh, like like studying music, right. and and of course there, I I tried to learn a theory and and stuff like that, and then when I was a little bit uh, older, uh, we moved from from a city to another city, and then obviously my my guitar school ended, so I I needed to. Actually, my mother told me that now you should, you should go to this town's like music school to study. And then I was like, well, I don't, I don't want to study guitar anymore. If I, if I had to study something, then I need to study drums. Okay. And that, that's how I, I, I became drummer. Keita's journey into music led him down a path where he would perform in bands as a guitarist, vocalist, and of course as a drummer sometimes even an array of those at the same time. But, of course, his path would lead him to Lordy. Tommy, Mr. Lordy, called me that, that uh, because back then Lordy was just a band in a paper. Yeah. They didn't, like, rehearse or anything. So, so at that point, they decided, okay, because they, they used to have these two guitar players and, and, and no drummer, drummer at all, but then they decided, okay, maybe we need a drummer. And then Tommy called me, asked if I know any drummers that that might like suit Lordy. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I, I'm I'm an ex drummer, so maybe if I try. And 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 Miss um, Lordy, he didn't he, he didn't know that because he thought that I was a singer and a guitar player because years before he he asked me to join in Lordy to be a guitar player. Right. Even before when Eamon came came in. Yeah. But then I was like, no, I, I, I don't I don't know any other songs that are, than my own, <laughs> so I didn't go. But then at that at that point, I was like, well, I, we can always try. And and then they gave me like a couple of songs to like rehearse and 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 then then they came to my then like rehearsal lofts or whatever, and uh, and that was it. And then of course at that time. Tommy was like really pleased. That, okay, now now it's cool. Then now you can now you can do all those backing harmonies that that Alice Cooper has and yeah. Kiss has and whatever. Yeah. So it, it basically started there. As we have previously stated in the last episode, Kida came to know both Lordy and Amen through the band Kiss. Ninety-six, uh, we went to we went to see Kiss to Stockholm and and Gothenburg. Right. So that was yeah. the that was the first time that I met him. But I, 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 it was maybe it was year '95. Uh, they had some kind of um, 
radio contests in like Finnish like Finnish BBC like Yle in Finland. Right. And uh, and and uh, then there was it, and it was about Kiss because they they had then the the unplugged and whatever thing going on and uh, and then it was in in that final it was me and Miss Lordy so it was the first time that we kind of like got to know each other and then afterwards we we called a lot you know about because then at, at the same time Tommy uh, he put the kiss on Finland and and then I was I was one of the active members there as well so we used to call to each other like in every every other week or whatever about talking about kiss and talking about okay I have this kind of band and he told me that he he has this kind of like monster band going on and whatever right. but then it was it was 96 that we like we first met like face to face with the lineup of Enery on keyboard Kita on drums, Magnum on bass, Amen on guitar, and Lordy on vocals. The work began to get Lordy signed to a record label. Before we move forward from here, some of you might be wondering why I predominantly refer to the band singer as Lordy and not Mr. Lordy. Well, I'll let the man himself explain that one for you. As you as you have probably noticed, if you look at the booklets, hmm. or if you look at the, any merchandise that we put, I mean anything that comes out from officially from the band, yeah. and it, that means that anything you see in Lord is is usually done by me. It comes from my computer. It comes by my hands. You know, it comes through my fucking photoshopping. You yeah. know, so if you see any, you never see Mr. Lori anywhere. I I. I am Lori. I'm now fucking Mr. Lori. That's the thing. And the Mr. thing came because we couldn't. I, I, my my pseudo name for for the for the uh, copyright reasons couldn't be Lori because the band is the same name. Okay. So right. Mr. Lori was taken only for the for the uh, contractual reasons. The, uh, we added the Mr. Raymond, Mr. Lori, Mr. Rocks, Mr. Kira, Mr. Uh, Miss Awa, and so on. Yeah. Miss Enery. Uh, we we only had to take those 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 ministers there uh, for the for the royalty collecting society. That, that was the only thing because you know there, there, otherwise there would have been no way of knowing that does Lori mean this individual or does it mean the whole band? Okay. You know, so that's why we took those Mister Mister. Uh, and, and sometimes I hear that you know people are talking about Mister Aim and then Mister Mister Oxford. I I never liked that. I I. I hate it that I'm I'm now I'm Mr. Lori and if especially when when I I think it started like around um Eurovision actually when the the the, the media needed to have some sort of a clear difference between the when they're talking about the band or the lead singer of the band you know and that's when the Mr. thing came that they started using that I I don't like it I I I just don't It's not my intention. It's it, it, it. I did not invent that. It, it, it's. I am Lordy. I'm not fucking Mr. Lordy. I'm Lordy, and my band name's Lordy. Well, deal with it. That's the thing. Lordy's road to getting signed was a long and difficult journey. Most commonly, the major thing that stood in the band's way was record companies not fully understanding the band. They didn't get the picture and the music. Why you play this kind of music and you look like this? Everybody said that, and we are like, but we like to look like this and we like this music. 
what's wrong? <laughs> but when if I would have been a record label guy, I would have said no. No, I wouldn't. If somebody's looking like that, I would say, hey, you guys are crazy. <laughs> Come in. But but yeah, it was like that. And it was more like on, on Mr. Lordy's shoulders. Because at the time, I was still trying to... I wasn't really 100% sure if we can make it. So I was still having my project on a, on the side. It really didn't take that much time, so... But anyway, Mr. Lordy was the one who took the demos to the record labels and did all the work. And when he opened the door, and then he went to me or Kita to be aside with him, and then we started to negotiations and all that shit. Lordy's eventual record label signing occurred nearly 10 years after the project started in 1992. However, Lordy's music would evolve from the more complex and multi-layered style on Bend Over and Pray the Lord to the rhythm and melody-focused approach we see today. And a lot of this stems from Lordy's relationship to the band's first manager. when Arska started really pushing us to some other label, like to a bigger label. And it took some years when he found Asko Kallonen, yeah. who was the guy who found him and many other Finnish bands. And, and, and so so he got interested in Lori. Yes. And they, well, there's, 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 it's, this is like a this is like a spider web, the whole, whole thing. Because there's also people like... One of my very good friends, childhood friends from Rovanim here, was Kim Valtanen, who was acting on our horror films, you know. And he's a few years older than I am, and he actually was working at BMG, where Asko was also. So he was working there. Uh, I don't, I don't know, as a trainee or something at that moment. So, so I had a guy, I had a mole inside the house, you know, already. Yeah. So, so, but but it took years before Asko was convinced, and, and Arska was like pushing us and pushing Asko to, you know, to to let's make this happen. But Asko was like, like, okay, I kind of get this whole thing that they look like that, but they sound like that. So where's the where's the commercial fucking where who would buy this who would you know and he was very interested in the band but he he wasn't sure and it took years and and and, and we recorded demos like so many so many demos and always went to Asko and played the demos and and and, and you know uh, uh, is this good enough? And is this good enough? And that's when the it slowly started to the the the, the style of music started to get more compact and actually getting to more to the eighties eighties kind of style. Okay. Uh, well, actually, it was Arska already when when this um, um, when this bend over and pray the Lord was already basically recorded, like not all of it, but most of it. But yeah. then he told me. Please write a song that even that would have even a even a slight 
like a like a hypothetical possibility to be, to get some airplay. Write a song that is like three minutes max, and it has a nice melody and it has it's hooky and something. Like do that and don't don't go all King Diamond with every single song you have. You know, okay. like like multiple parts and and different and weird fucking rhythms and weird patterns and all that. Don't do that. So try to do. And that was that was when I wrote Get Heavy. Yeah. You know. So. Okay, and that was like ah. So pretty much after get uh, I did get heavy, then I started writing in that style, and, and of course it was like coming home because for some reason for the for those past five years I've been doing Lord, it was more like this more complex metal band with the with the definitely with the elements and influences of the eighties, you know, hard rock or heavy metal but but a lot more complicated you know and, and you know so then i like stri- started stripping down the whole thing and, and and actually finding out that what i actually really do love why where's the beef you know finding the core of what is good in music in my ears yeah. so and that is 80s so that's how then all these songs like like well would you love a monster man i still remember the moment when i wrote that mm. and then like not the nicest guy and all these songs you know so so those were in the in the enormous pile of demos that we recorded over those years and we went to bmg to play those songs with Arska, our manager and then Arska listening to those the, the a and r of bmg at the time and always and and every time he he found like like on those we had demos that had like uh, 10 or well 10 or 12 songs and he would always find one or two or three songs that are okay so in a way in retrospect i can see that he was actually kind of like selecting songs that would make it to the album that were that were worthy enough for recording and would have enough hit potential or radio yeah. you know airplay potential so and, and the process it took forever 2002 would be the year that lordy got to hit the studio to record their first officially released album, Get Heavy. This would be released through BMG Finland and was made under the production eyes of TT Oksala. And then at some point we realized and our future manager realized that guys, keep it simple and then Get Heavy came out and I remember that time Magnum was there and Mr. Lori and me and we were like, this is it, get heavy, that's the song, okay. this is Lori, this is Lori, now it, fe- now it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> Electric dinosaur, let's go out of the fire. This heavy weight is deep, weighing out of the league. I thought my vision in fire. All we do, monster, be With the sound of Lordy having evolved, and the band working in the studio with TT Oxala. Lordy's dream had become a reality. However, this album recording 
would eventually bring about another change in lineup, and this time it proved to be out of necessity. Get heavy. 
Mangum did everything he, you know, I mean, he plays there, but there is a reason, there is a reason why on Get Heavy, you don't really hear bass as an instrument, you hear it as a frequency. Okay. Um, yeah, because, I mean, and like I said, I have to underline this, I mean, he's, he's, his bass playing is awesome today. I mean, he's he's a very good bass player nowadays. Yeah. But back then, back then, uh, it really. I, I wish I could say it was it, 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 it was the case also, but it, it really wasn't. So so and and especially when we were kind of like naked in the studio and in the in the recording situation, and then when every single track is recorded by the fucking topmost professional you know, producer and in the in the high class studio, yeah. then you hear all the mistakes and all the things that are lacking. And then yeah, so it it, it was a yeah, I, I remember there was there was talks about that. Um well I remember this one 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 night, one evening when when Magnum left the studio, he played his last bass parts for the album. And I don't think Magnum even knows that knows this. And I I don't think I've ever said this before. But I I mean it's been almost twenty years, so I, I guess I can say this now. Yeah. Uh, what happened was the producer Tete Oksala, who was a legendary Finnish you know rock and metal producer, um, he was sitting there at the desk. I was there the whole process of recording the uh, the album, like I am all the time anyways, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I was already then, I was sitting there, it was evening, Magnum took his car, left home, he recorded his last parts, and then as soon as he drove away, uh, Tete, he pushed stop on the recorder, and, and he turned on his chair and looked at me and said, uh, do you know how to play these bass lines on, on the album? I said, of course. I fucking wrote them well take the bass and start playing i said no what it's like no way what are you saying and he said well this is unusable i mean the, i mean we have been recording this now but it's 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 not good we not, we need to replay all the bases for the album i was like no 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 we're not gonna do this and, and then there was like a crisis crisis uh, 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 uh emergency <coughs> Um, or how like a powwow or or a meeting yeah. with Asko, who was the who was the head of uh, I mean A and R in, in BMG, yeah. and, and 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 Tete the producer explained to him the situation. I spoke with everybody with the band and 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 Arsko, the manager. And, uh, what are we gonna do? And, and Tete as the producer, he said that it should, they, they should be replayed, but I refused. I said no. This is not right. We should never ever do that kind of a shitty thing. I mean, it's it's not it's not right. It's not right for Magnum. No fucking way. It you know. But then uh, the only solution was that Tete actually went through all the single, uh, all, 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 all through the, every single bass track on the album and 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 corrected them as much as he could by computer. Okay. You know, to make them on in time and make the make the velocity. You know, even on, on the stuff. So that's why you hear there is bass and it's played by Magnum, but it's but it took I don't know how so much time and work from 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 the from Tete the producer to actually fix it in a way that it was that it was 
you know, doable. Okay. And I, 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 I say this. I, 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 I feel bad about telling this. I, I, I hope that you know, you know, because I, I don't want to say anything bad about Magnum. I mean, of course. I mean, he's he's a dear friend of mine. But I mean, this is this is what happened, and it, it it's not his fault. But he just wasn't there yet. Mm. You know, and and it was a, it was a combo where we just had to let him go, or actually, and he didn't want to leave the band, and I understand why, and I and in some ways I didn't want to, you know, have him, you know, but it was the first line of well, it wasn't even the first line of Chains of Glory, but it was it was it was definitely the one that 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 was the hardest at that point. It's like well, it's like the 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 all the stars are aligned against yes. you being in the band i'm very sorry but this is what and he refused to understand that at first and it took i mean i mean actually firing him from the band was very hard and difficult because he wouldn't even listen or understand what i was saying okay. and he would he would refuse to hear what i was saying that you're not in the band anymore i remember that yeah i remember that talk very very well to this day Magnum would of course feature in the Would You Love a Monster Man music video, the first single of Get Heavy. The album was also dedicated to him for all his contribution to the band. He though would not feature on the album cover, but his replacement, Kalma, would. Uh, I, st- I started with the acoustic guitar when I was in in uh, in high school. Right. Well, just the basic just a basic chords and and e- easy songs and all that. But then uh, it was I think I was I was still in high school when my brother had brother had a band and they had a bass player who left left the band. So I decided right there and then that, that I will I will buy the bass gear and I will be your next bass player. So okay. that's, that's when I started to play bass. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was, I think I was seventeen or eighteen. Oh, cool. Eighteen years old, so very cool. I was, I'm, I was pretty old when yeah. I started. <laughs> but um, how did you actually? What made you want to pick up the acoustic guitar in the first place? Was there a particular band or song that made you want to actually play an instrument? Uh, no, actually, that was uh, my my girl, girlfriend's fault. Uh, uh. I had a girlfriend at that at that time who played played some acoustic guitar, and I, I just you know started to. I, I I asked him that uh, I asked her that uh, if 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 she would teach me some chords or some right. simple stuff and just started from there. Kalma's entry into Lordi came through his relationship with Lordi's drummer Kita. Their relationship is something that we'll discuss in more detail in future episodes. Kalma also refers to Kita here as Sampsa, which is his civil name. I think it was it was in uh, in the summer of 2002 when uh, when Samsa asked me that if I would be interested in in playing in Lordi and uh, of course I, I talked talked with my wife wife and we had a two two little kids at that point so nice. I had to you know discuss this with with my wife but uh, it's basically 
in the summer of 2002. I don't remember exact month or date. Yeah. But, but I learned, learned the first, first album and went to the rehearsals and got the gig. <laughs> <laughs> the stark difference in the skill and playing style between Kalma and Magnum was evident in this first rehearsal session, as Lordy recalls here. You know, when immediately, of course, we started <clears throat> rehearsing the songs, and a good example is uh, Biomechanic Man, where, well, well, as you probably know, that most of the riffs in Lordy are written by me, all the guitar and bass yeah. riffs, they are they're done by me so so that so part of the part of the effect there of the song is that every everybody plays in unison the guitar and the bass and yeah. the keyboards they play in unison you know like in the old kiss way you know course, yeah. you know you know but that was that was a, that was the thing where Magnum just couldn't. I mean, his fingers just couldn't do it as fast. And probably nowadays he could play it like, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, backwards and in his sleep. But but back then in two thousand one, two thousand two, he couldn't. So that's the bass on bass line on uh, on 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 get heavy because I mean that that was the best he could do at the at the time. But when Alma joined the band. I remember the first rehearsal. I said, "Hey, can you play?" And he played it. All right. Yep. This is now we're up. To, now we're <laughs> now we have now we have the level. You might remember that in the first episode we discussed the Inferno music video. The mask of the horse rider in this video would be taken to form Kalma's character, and the dream that Lordy had of a skeleton on stage playing guitar had come true, but he would be playing the bass instead. On July 12th, 2002, Lordy released their first single, Would You Love A Monster Man, followed by the release of the album Get Heavy on November 1st, and the second single, Devil is a Loser, on February 3rd, 2003. These two singles reached number one and number nine in the Finnish charts, respectively. The band's arrival on the metal scene was something that was planned and thought about in great detail. They played no gigs whatsoever prior to the release of Get Heavy. Their first gig actually came about on December 7th, 2002, in Nosturi Club in Helsinki. The reason they hadn't played any gigs was that they wanted to create a mystique around the band before their album release, even creating short horror-like clips to promote the band on their website, which you can hear under us now. We, we always want to do, since the beginning, we always want to make it on our own yeah. and then deliver it. To the people, okay. like make a big bang, uh, make a someone is having a surprise birthday party, you know? Yeah. And there's a huge cake, and then what comes out of the cake? Wow! There's uh, monsters. We always want to do this. Everything we have ever done is quite planned, and at least in the beginning, we we want to do, we want to make a lot of interviews and make a, like. A, 
not so many interviews, but we wanted to make a avalanche going on already. Like, hey, come on, it's there's something new is coming behind the corner, but we will not tell you what it is, but it's something beautiful and big, you know? So, yeah, that's really deep in our nature still nowadays. And it's, I, sometimes I don't get it, and sometimes I get it, but, you know, in the beginning, yes. So it was, that was the plan. Let's not talk about this. Let's keep the mystery going on. Yeah. And is there any end that first show in the biggest club in Finland is sold out and or in any country? How, how you can do this? Usually you start with the low level. You go doing, you know, small fit areas and kiosk or whatever. And seven eleven places, you yeah. know. But but we had a plan. When we have a first show, it's gonna be sold out and we have a big show. And that was the plan. Okay. It's crazy, I know. Yeah. But Following their first gig, Lordi would perform around Finland and Germany, even supporting fellow Finns Nightwish on some of their German dates, which helped both bands boost their profiles. Ultimately, this era of Lordi was the realisation of a dream. Lordi had finally arrived and delivered what they set out to do, even culminating in an Ima Gala Award for Best Finnish Domestic Heavy Metal Album. With that album, Get Heavy, also reaching triple platinum by 2006. The follow-up album would prove to be a little darker and would also bring about the first Lordy film. I'm Matthew Kessie and Monsters of Rock the Lordy Story is a true metal podcast production. I'd like to thank Lordy, Eamon, Keita, G-Stealer and Kalma for their time, insights and kindness to the show. And please head to True Metal Podcast's Instagram page to see the photo library for this week's episode. 